Good evening, hushlings, and welcome. I present your preceptors to the underbelly of the void, the whispers of conjecture, and the known of the unknown. Thus begins the conclave of the Hush Hush Society. Greeting Hush Cateers, welcome back to another episode of Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And as always, we're joined by our Imagineer, Slick Frank Sanders. Good evening. How are you guys doing? Super swell, super swell. Good to be back on this uh, Disney vacation. I'm ready to get back into the park, hop around a little bit. Put your Mickey Mouse ears on as a mm-hmm. full-grown adult. Mm-hmm. Get that oh, churro. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the smellizers. Mm-hmm. Get them chemicals in, yeah. Uh, welcome back, Hushlings, to the magical world of Disney. There are numerous theories that we've talked about this beloved family enterprise. Some are more ridiculous and absurd than others, and some may hold truth, like we've said in our previous episode. But some are darker than you could imagine. Well, last episode, we talked about Walt Disney's Frozen Head, the Smellitizer, as we just mentioned, secret clubs, and rooms, but we need to go a bit further. There have been rumors on the internet and in the media that Walt Disney was an anti-Semite, as we mentioned in the last episode, briefly, and that the company was, or is, involved in a major child abduction operation. And that leaves us with the question of, is there satanic symbolism and evidence of witchcraft within their films and stories? Also, are they promoting an agenda that may not be suitable for the weak-stomached parent, like gender ideology and other issues? Oh boy, but before we sacrifice some kids, we want to remind you, as always, of our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Reach out to us over there. Talk to us, hang out, ask us what's going on, ask us about our opinions on the current worldviews. People don't do that enough. Tell us. We want to talk about Gaza. We want to talk about Disney and Epstein's and, and all this other shit we don't get to talk about on social media. We get the occasional person that will send us an email or a message. I actually just got a message today about our uh, Adrenochrome Roundtable. On that note, everything Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour, you can find on www.hushhushsociety.com. Episodes just like the one you're listening to, merchandise, blogs, guest profiles, and on top of it, the direct link to what we just mentioned, uh, Rockfin. Yeah, you should definitely go over to our our Rockfin and defend us against uh, phishing comments and spammers and all sorts of those hooligans. Comment section is a great spot. And you can also watch our debriefings. Why listen when you could use your eyes? Look with them. Check them out. With those eyes, you can find the notification bell and the subscribe button. You should definitely smash the absolute living hell out of both of those so that you know every single time we upload a new debriefing or declassified discussion. Beautiful. 
Beautiful. Uh, before we get going, let's do, do a quick quick 30-second, I guess, review of what we talked about. We mentioned it a little bit a couple minutes ago. We hit a variety of topics, especially one of the bigger ones for me is nobody dies at Disney in our previous episode. And if you enjoyed that, if you know somebody that's died at Disney, let us know. <laughs> we we want to hear about it. If you want to die at Disney, hit us up. <laughs> let us know. If you're a part of the Club 33, please hit us up. We want to know about that. Or, or if your kid has been rolled by an alligator at a Florida Disney park, we, we want to hear about that experience, too. All right, guys, let's begin where we left off at the end of last episode about Disney uh, with something, you know, lighter, like human trafficking, light and airy. Now, human trafficking of any kind is pretty much the most vile type of evil. There's probably things that are up there at the same same level, but it's pretty bad. And recently, a major ring was exposed, and there was a school athletic director, a priest, and a father who left his one-year-old alone to have sex with a child. Sounds like the beginning to a joke. <laughs> Three guys walk into a bar. The stool's flipped over. No, I'm just The kidding. school athletic <laughs> director, a priest, and a father. <laughs> Walk into a bar bar. and 219 people in total across multiple counties were arrested. So there's the punchline in a major human trafficking bust, uh, most of which was in Polk County, Florida. Mm. Mm. Suiting. Makes sense. Authorities arrested more than 100 people, 120 to be exact, in an undercover sting targeting prostitution, human trafficking, as well as child predators in Polk County. The six-day investigation, dubbed Operation Santa's Naughty List, I mean, fitting, I guess, the, the, the operation aimed to identify and help victims of human trafficking who might have been forced into prostitution. This happens very often. Polk County Sheriff Grady Judd said, quote, I, in my heart, believe that every one of these prostitutes at some point in their life were a victim of human trafficking, if in fact they're not currently a victim of human trafficking, end quote. You guys ever met somebody named Grady from the North? (laughs) No. No. Like past that uh, Mason-Dixon line? (laughs) No. They only exist in the South. I've never met a Grady that didn't have a Southern accent. My name's Grady. (laughs) Sheriff Grady. Among the others caught, there were seven women who came to the undercover location to commit prostitution, but they may have been victims themselves, obviously. Five men were arrested for traveling to the operation with the intent to sexually harm a child. Two other suspects did not travel to the operation, but solicited who they thought were children online. Oof. Big yikes so far. There were a total of 53 people arrested for prostitution, which is a second-degree misdemeanor, and 46 were arrested who were seeking services of a prostitute, a first-degree misdemeanor. 18 people were arrested for various other charges, primarily aiding, transporting, deriving proceeds from prostitution. 30 of those arrested told detectives that they were married, and a total of 78 felonies and 148 misdemeanors were handed out during Operation Santa's Naughty List. Criminal histories of everyone arrested, including 443 previous felonies, as well as 571 previous misdemeanors. Some of the prior histories include charges for kidnapping, robbery, aggravated battery, sex offenses, 
and the oldest person arrested was 70 years old, while the youngest was 19. What a wide variety of fantastical people. Penis is penis. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Well then. Hushlings, you may be asking yourselves, well, what does this all have to do with uh, Disney? You know, what's, what's this Operation Santa's Naughty List have to do with the happiest place on Earth? Well, law enforcement said that a Disney cast member was arrested for child pornography. Three Disney employees, one of them being a former security guard named Rodney Davis, 56, of Winter Garden, was arrested for soliciting prostitution. Now, to, to a certain degree, when you have that many people in the central area of Florida, wouldn't you expect that maybe some of them work for Disney? Maybe it's just it's the same thing in Anaheim, though, too, right? Wouldn't you think that one employee getting arrested from Disney, which ties this guy, I guess, all together, obviously, out of the plethora of charges that were handed out, it was only a few people. But wouldn't you think that one is enough? Three is company just working at a park that probably has thousands of employees, but it's still not good odds. So I just looked it up. It's They have 75,000 employees. I don't know if that's just Florida. I looked, yeah, no, it's Florida. It's just Walt Disney World. Yep, just Disney World, Florida. So three out of 75,000. I, f- I feel like that's not, I would almost expect it to be higher. It, it could be, and they didn't get caught. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just think about not even not only the Disney parks, but you have the Disney cruise ships. Kids just go missing. They just throw them in the brig. It's not a good look. After all, a company as large as Disney plays a significant role in child welfare and safety and making sure that in any setting, no matter if it's a cruise ship, park, or a Disney store, I don't even know if they have those anymore. Number one priority is safety. Uh, one question I have is this guy being a security guard, that's really unsettling because he is screening and really watching everyone that comes through. And if he's part of a larger operation being the eyes, that's a little weird. And after all of this, a lot of the conspiratorial world points their fingers at the company, which have led to these human trafficking case allegations, missing persons issues, kidnapping. We briefly touched on it with the, the strange boardrooms or whatever we talked about in the, the first episode, the, the, the back rooms, the back rooms, the, the possible the processing area and the, yeah. the laundry garbage shoots. <laughs> Maybe that's what the back rooms are. It's just the underground human trafficking network. Yes. Slender man takes the children down to the adrenochrome juicers. <laughs> like little grapes. How many kids go actual missing? Like statistically, how many kids go missing every year in the United States? A lot. I'm going to say like somewhere between 15 and 20,000. A scary amount. Okay, so from 2017, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, the NCMEC, estimates around 2,000 children disappear from amusement parks each year, one of them being Disneyland or Disney World. Just amusement parks, huh? Just amusement parks. Now, here's the thing. You would imagine that a place, and I know this from experience of just going to Universal, and maybe Dave knows from going to Disney, but amusement parks are filled with cameras. I mean, filled with cameras. 2,000 kids going missing, 
Don't you think that maybe a parent could have went to the security and said, hey, check this camera. This is where we were standing last time that we saw him or her. And they could track down that kid or see where, you know, somebody's walking away with them or see where they went, whatever it may be. I would think that that park system probably has the sophistication to find anybody that they're That's what I'm for. saying. And you know that, and, and again, this goes for Universal, you know that their security cameras and their capabilities go beyond the park. You know, it goes to the surrounding areas also. Well, yeah, like here in Los Angeles, you have CityWalk. I mean, fucking hundreds and hundreds of cameras in CityWalk. You could literally, up until the second you hit a urinal, there's a camera. It, it doesn't matter where you're at. And especially with Disney, which is even more perplexing, is that at Disney, nowadays, when you get into the park and you scan your ticket, you just get into, you have to go through security first and then walk like a mile and get on a tram and fucking do the whole thing and then get to the ticket line. At the ticket line, they take a picture of you with your ticket number. So every single person that walks through that park has a headshot, a mugshot. No matter if you're three, an infant, 56, it doesn't matter. They know you're in there. I mean, it's not all Disneyland, but 2,000 kids out of all the global amusement parks. <laughs> that's quite a bit, man. That's kind of unacceptable. <laughs> I wonder if that's like 2,000 kids that are gone for good, never to be found again, or like a missing person was reported and then they were later found. Mm, that could be. Because what, what you're saying is very true. I feel like 2,000 people going missing, 2,000 children going missing, while keeping in mind their surveillance systems is like unreal. That's a lot of people. I'm not so sure that's just reported. I would imagine that the number of reported missing children in theme parks is much higher. Yeah, like I was waiting yeah. in line for a churro and my kid is like taking pictures with Goofy now. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. how many how many kids have ended up probably in a store along the way or something or a shop along the way and said, true. I, you know, I can't find my mom. I would imagine that number is probably a lot higher. Additionally, according to a Disney blog, some say that Disney violated the rights of hundreds of thousands of children, and there are Federal Trade Commission records that prove that this occurred and was settled outside of court. Mm. Per reports, the Walt Disney Company committed a privacy violation. In California, the FTC issued the charges, all relating to children younger than 13 years of age. Hold on. Okay. Uh... What do they mean by a privacy violation? These kids used a fucking tablet, got online, and probably did something. Kids fuck with electronics nowadays, you know? I mean, we did it when we were younger. Download porn on Napster. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing as a privacy oh. violation. You mean they're downloading, like, porn on Disney company tablets? Like, what were these kids doing? Did the Disney apps that they're downloading that I think might not be age appropriate is taking their information like any other digital device would. So it's just information related privacy. It's data. Yeah. Okay. Data mining of children younger than 13. Yes. Yep. I didn't know that that was illegal. <laughs> 
You're telling me all these massive corporate, like none of those kids games that kids download on their tablets are like sucking data out of the tablet and like sending it to. I mean, God it's the same thing where. as a phone, right? You can have control of the microphone and the camera. Yeah, easily. That's scary. Verifiable parental consent is paramount to companies being able to protect younger children. It's obviously imperative to separate kids' content from adult material. We all get that. However, the company Playdom Incorporated, which is a subsidiary company of Walt Disney, failed to meet this obligation. Of course they did. According to the violation description, it goes on to say, the operators of 20 online virtual worlds agreed to pay $3 million to settle Federal Trade Commission charges that they violated the Children's Online Privacy Protection Rule by illegally collecting and disclosing personal information from hundreds of thousands of children under age 13 without their parents' prior consent. Wow. Uh, two games. I'm not going to blame them. I don't know if they have anything affiliated with Playdom or Disney, but two games that are separate, just games, Minecraft and Fortnite. Kids younger than 13 definitely play that. Roblox, like you said uh, a minute ago, it's it's scary and you almost don't even want to talk about it. It's frightening because we know we hit accept and we hit the little box and, and hit all those things and know that if we're going to download TikTok or Facebook or, or one of these apps, that we're getting data mined. We're adults. We understand it. But even over 13, even being 15, 17, 18, these kids might not know. But under 13 is a really, really, it's like a threshold. You know, you're really picking up on some weird shit. Where's that information going? Because if those kids were part of a data breach, then you're talking about maybe, you know, tour sites and lists and, you know, who's browsing those. You have child predators that are on there. And now they're getting not only the age, but also the sex of this child and where they live and how many parents Vacation. they have and how many where they're vacationing. Exactly. Where and they go to all school. Different things. Crazy yeah. shit. Wild. Parents, if you got your kids on Facebook and you're like, oh, we're at the parent teacher conference and you put the fucking location on Instagram or something like that, stop doing that shit because there are some sick motherfuckers that live right next door to you and no matter where you're at. So stop doing it or make your shit like a safe, not like the Federal Reserve because that doesn't work, but like like a like a real good safe. <sighs> I don't know. That stuff is bizarre. Did you just see, uh, what is it? Venmo. I think Venmo has a new platform that's targeted for 13 to 17 year olds. I just saw it on a Hulu ad when I was watching movie the other day. They're not even old enough to make money. Like <laughs> They give them a debit card. That's But you're tracking a child making purchases. That's data mining. Yeah. Fucking crazy. And they might even do that even instances, I'm not blaming Universal, but like Super Nintendo World, you need like a, a power band to interact with the world. You got to put your child's specifications. Oh, my child's six or my child's five. They're from San Diego. And all of a sudden, that's enough information for that entire park, whoever's running it. Not saying it's nefarious, but in that example, <laughs> you just gave up. You, you have to take a picture of them. It's creepy as fuck, man. <laughs> that does seem a little bit intrusive. Now, logic would dictate that if children were suddenly disappearing from Disney and other theme parks uh, in large numbers, like 2,000 a year, 
but surely someone would notice, uh, especially the parents. But like, do these parents have something to do with the conspiracy? Or are they like, oh, I'm sick of this fucking kid. <laughs> and they just throw him down a Disney garbage chute like Mike was talking about in the last episode. I'd really like to dive real deep on those specifics and see if the, if the 2000 reported, like you said, were not only like, oh, my son got stuck with Goofy and we found them. But it's a report. It it's, could be just skewed statistics, you know, giving the benefit of the doubt to to Disney parks. You guys ready for the juicy shit? How juicy are we talking? Pretty juicy. Pretty juicy. Get it. Get it. Probably could have went a lot deeper on it. But let's talk a little bit about the symbolism in Disney, Satanism, a, a, a sprinkle of QAnon and gender ideology. Oh, my, I guess you could say, you know. Now, Disney would like parents to believe that the childlike wonder is the only type of magic available through their brand. But this is just not the case. Disney films and television shows have long focused on teaching children the magical arts. It is the Magic Kingdom, for example, which are the foundation of all esotericism and secret societies. In other words, Disney has been teaching generations of children, including ourselves, about the occult for pretty much 100 years. What immediately comes to, oh no, Pixar isn't really Disney, right? Is Pixar Disney? No, Pixar is 100% Disney now. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What comes to mind is like uh, Monsters Inc., and like the doorways, the doorways into other places. Now, magic is simply defined as the art of allegedly invoking supernatural powers to influence events through the use of spells. Despite the fact that magic is specifically banned in scripture, the vast majority of Christian parents enthusiastically welcomed the magic kingdom and its related arts into their children's lives. Satan! Without question. Let's go see a Disney movie. <laughs> that evil little fucking mouse. I'd probably say one of the first movies I've ever seen in a movie theater was probably a Disney movie. Was it The Lion King? I remember seeing The Lion King but I don't think it was the first movie I saw in a theater. Let's get into a few examples of what some folks throughout the years have pointed out, and some of it you may have heard or seen. And some are pretty interesting, so let's get into it. First, we've all heard or seen the Little Mermaid penis debacle. We talked about that last episode. Where in the original showing of the film, the priest on deck has a raging boner. If you have been watching our Rockfin the first episode, I did include that picture. Also on the original cover of the film, Poseidon Castle is full of dicks. Just a myriad of dicks everywhere. There's one real good one right in the center. There's also the word sex in the dust or the clouds in Lion King as well, also included. Mickey Mouse was shoving his boner in cheese in an earlier work. It sounds like a good Friday night. Have you guys ever seen that? No. Why is he banging cheese, though? That's the thing. Oh, it's because he's Mickey Mouse. Mouse cheese. <laughs> he's Come on, making Mike. Swiss cheese. Oh, he's making Swiss cheese with his dick? Oh, and he's God. humping it. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Around the same time that uh, Steamboat Willie happened in like the late 1920s, there's a picture. There's a cheese assembly line, 
and he takes the solid brick of cheese and pulls it off and humps it like three times, making all the holes and then puts it back on. And he's got a raging fucking hard on. It's a mouse stick. It's big for a mouse. <laughs> it's big for a mouse. Yeah. I mean, he, and he's, <laughs> he's punching the Swiss holes into this. Yep, he is fucking that cheese. Like, there is That's, just no uh, way around that. <laughs> and keep in mind, this is like old, old black and white. Uh, this is the 20s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was really giving it to it. Wow. Hear that, Hushlings? Now you know where your cheese comes from. As for the sexual depictions with this uh, Little Mermaid penis debacle, that's no coincidence. That's no coincidence. That is a straight shaft. Yeah, I don't. That is a meaty arm right there in the middle of Poseidon's castle. And that's the original pressing. And the priest definitely did have a chub going on. But uh, Mike mentioned when Simba collapses on a cliff, it does say sex in the original version. But when you take a 2018 re-release, it's just like greatly missed. If you're an animator for a company, one, you might be underpaid, might have shitty bosses. Wouldn't you throw a dick or two in there just to be like, you know what? fuck you i'm on my way out anyways you're gonna fire me after this project so why wouldn't you put a meaty veiny shaft in a castle on artwork because it's a fucking kids movie it, I, it, people are people people do dumb shit <sighs> i mean you got all these people that got arrested for child pornography and shit that's a whole different conspiracy though it could be a whole conspiracy to sabotage disney which one is the actual animator that drew the vein on the dick <laughs> I don't know if that's traceable. I don't know if they could trace that back. They might be able to. They probably have. Yeah, they got it. It's it's in the credits. They'll, they'll figure out the veiny dick animators. The problem is, is who looked at that artwork and they were like, hmm. Yep, it's good. That's yep. the one. <laughs> they must have been a part of it. There's only one other way. They must have been a part of that. My mom probably has the original VHS of that that has the dick still on the front. But something as simple as that, just like a depiction of a dick on the cover of a movie or sex being shown for a couple of frames of The Lion King, on that scale, do you think that's doing anything subliminally or like not really? No, because I never noticed it as a kid. Yeah, I feel like there would have to be like more to it than that. Yeah, I think that more, like I said, that might be more of a jab or an inside joke type of thing between the animators or illustrators but yeah. millennials are a generation of degenerates yes. sexual ah. degenerates pieces of shit it's disney's dude. fault like mickey mouse was was intentionally and clearly fucking cheese to make it swiss <laughs> but this is like secret this this is if anything subliminal yeah, Easter egg-ish. It's different, you know? yeah. It's yeah. different. Let's see if somebody figures this out. I don't think originally seeing the original viewing of uh, Lion King for me and seeing Simba go, <sighs> and having sex pour out in mist has made me any different of a person I am today. Uh, you, you'll it, never know. Got an MK Ultra. it happened. All right, we mentioned the Club 33 previously in our last episode, and we all know that the 33rd degree is an honorary award bestowed upon Scottish Rite Freemasons who have had major contributions to society in certain ways. 
Let's look at some symbolism within these movies, uh, starting with the Seven Dwarves. Uh, these Seven Dwarves, they obviously live in the woods uh, amidst nature. The birds are chirping. The leaves are rustling. Oh, so why wouldn't they have carvings of creatures that live around them? You know, squirrels, deer, anything like that. But they also have owls. And in the Seven Dwarves, or Snow White in the Seven Dwarves, uh, the owl is ironically in the movie all the time. It's throughout their house. It's on their stairs. We have some pictures. Uh, but it's also the symbol of the Freemasons. And guys, right there is the Freemason owl right underneath. Just to prove that point. I didn't know that the, the symbol of the Freemason was the owl, but it kind of goes along with the uh, Bohemian Grove thing. Yeah, Minerva. I feel like the connection is loose, but at the same time, it could be there. Like, it, if you want it to be Masonic symbology, it is. I don't know about more ties to Freemasonry to Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. But yeah, like you said, they're a bunch of little creepy dwarves that live in the woods. Of course, they're going to have like some weird animal carvings in their house. They kidnap like a teenage girl. <laughs> only owls. If it's only owls in their house, then yeah, that's that's strange. We'd have to go back and watch the movie and see how much wood carvings are in this area other than just the screenshots and screen grabs we have. But I mean, it would make sense because we did talk about his connection with a thousand plus years of family lineage. And a lot of that could have definitely played a part with parts of his family being Freemason. It could be Walt Disney's influence or they could have been infiltrated already. I mean, when did the Snow White and the Seven Dwarves come out? The fucking forties or the fifties or something like that. It was a long time ago. In the TV series DuckTales, in an episode, an eye chart in like a doctor's office actually reads, ask about Illuminati, but you got to read it like you're going down. But it spells out, ask about Illuminati. And on Goofy's skateboard in the Goofy movie, a favorite of mine as a child, displays an all-seeing eye with a crown atop. There's also the notion that the Walt Disney logo itself has a 666 in it. Even Winnie the Pooh is demonic. I could see the 666 with the weird little swirls. The Winnie the Pooh Satan reference. Yeah, when he, yeah, it's got the, the horns coming up at the yeah. top of the trees. But how much of that is just like pareidolia? Like you're seeing what you right. want to see in the picture. Yeah, I could probably spell out cheddar cheese out of Walt Disney <laughs> if I, you know, <laughs> highlight the letters the right way. The Winnie the Pooh one, you're like, oh, okay, what's going on here up in those fucking bushes near the, the trees? You're like, that does look like something demonic, or it's just a the weird kawinky dink. There's also the sweet life of Zach and Cody in a scene. Don't know the season, don't know the episode, but it does say the Illuminati on the chalkboard behind them. Definitely a lot of Illuminati uh, symbolism there. That's weird. Goofy had a bitch and skateboard. Yeah, the skateboard is crazy, <laughs> dude, because it's literally the all-seeing eye with a pyramid and a crown, or the all-seeing eye with a crown. It's Check this out. Uh -huh. That was such uh -huh. a bad Goofy. <laughs> <laughs> when people visualize Pinocchio, they see the sweet young puppet with a desire to be a real boy. The Disney movie tells the tale of his adventures with his friend and advisor, Jiminy Cricket, 
and how they ultimately lead him to his dream of becoming a human. The original creator of Pinocchio, Carlo Collodi, was hoping for a different image. Collodi created the character for a serial story in Italian newspapers with the goal of showing kids the consequences of being bad. Collodi's Pinocchio was cruel and mischievous. His Jiminy Cricket was only referred to as Talking Cricket, and when the Cricket tried to give Pinocchio some good advice, the puppet boy killed him with a mallet. Little shit. Jesus. (laughs) Some, like, real schizo content right there. (laughs) Cricket's telling me to do bad things. That's kind of like the Boy Who Cried Wolf story, though. It's got that similar... uh... If you're going to originally take that, like, don't fuck up or else bad things will happen. Nobody will come to save you type of thing. Pinocchio is constantly tortured in different ways throughout this story. All punishment for his alleged bad behavior. Kaladi initially ended the tale with Pinocchio's death by hanging. You smashed a cricket with a mallet. We're going to hang you. <laughs> Awful. But because of the outcry from fans of the story, Collodi was forced to continue his story without the hanging. So he decided Pinocchio's life would be spared in exchange for even more gruesome punishments other than hanging from that point forward. Uh, We don't really know. I'm sure he got spikes driven underneath his nails and waterboarded. Whatever it was, it was probably pretty terrible. I mean, what could be worse than being hung? (laughs) Uh, Even Pinocchio is not a real boy because he has yet to go through his occult initiation process, which will actually take place when he visits the place called Pleasure Island. What the fuck? One example of this Pleasure Island that David mentioned from Pinocchio, the quote goes, How would you blokes like to make some real money? I'm collecting stupid little boys. Stupid little boys? You know, the disobedient ones that play hooky from school, and I take them to Pleasure Island. Ah, Pleasure Island. Pleasure Island? But the law suppose they... No, no. There is no risk. They never come back. As boys! And then he shows like this devilish face and laughs. All, all creepy like, scaring Honest John and Gideon. Jim Brewer has the best interpretation of that. They don't come back, little boys. Ha 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 Like, like that's fucking so creepy. <laughs> that There is some weird undertones with that. That is creepy. Beyond creepy. Pleasure Island. Ugh. Epstein Island? <gasps> Doesn't Disney own their own island, too? I'm oh, sure. Yeah. That they, uh, you know, like their own stops, especially when you take Disney cruises. Mm. Pleasure chain of islands. The pleasure chain. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh man. Gracious. I did watch it again recently. Like I was on Disney plus and I scrolled through until I got to that bar scene where they were just like, let's steal some kids. And you're like, what the fuck is going on here? You can't say, oh, it's just the times. It's the humor. No, no. You're taking small little boy children and bringing them back as men, whatever the fuck that means. Mm. Creepy. There was an internal Disney all-hands meeting where employees and executives used terms like, quote, gay agenda and adding queerness to characters in the studio's shows and movies. The result was obviously predictable. 
Within hours, right-wing talk show hosts like Tucker Carlson, Ben Shapiro, Candace Owens, and Laura Ingram were terrifying their huge audiences into believing that Disney was part of the widespread liberal conspiracy to indoctrinate, groom, or traffic children using their animated characters and shows. Their response is almost an unconscious reflex at this point, and while it comes with no QAnon branding, the origins of these conspiracy theories are obvious. Uh, you know... But there is truth to some. That's what I'm saying. Is there something to it? There is truth because they had these meetings and it was recorded on somebody's fucking cell phone. You're saying gay agenda. Yeah, where they said that. Like regarding children's films. What more is there? <laughs> it's, it's, it's factual. They talked about it. Like <laughs> this being something that has to do with like Q. Uh, well, obviously, we talked a lot about QAnon with uh, Pizzagate, which is a very similar topic. You know, you're talking about you know, child trafficking and and all that shit. But is this really something? I, I think it, it, it would definitely be popular with people who are encompassed with QAnon conspiracies and QAnon thoughts or rhetoric. But does it really stem from Q? It doesn't, because like we said, it, this is a factual thing that somebody literally had their cell phone on the desk. And whatever CEO at the time, I don't think they have the same CEO anymore. I think they were like, oh, fuck that. Get out of here. When it comes to that type of stuff, I don't really pay attention to a lot of the grooming shit. But when it comes to that, I mean, you do see it in these movies. I've seen all the updated Disney movies, and there's definitely a little bit more. Some of them, they're meant for kids to go see in a theater, but some of them have some undertones that are seven years advanced for a six-year-old to be watching. You know, like they don't all line up. But in, in this day and age, I say at least since probably like 2015, there's been that. It's a little more evident in their shows and their tv shows and you know because my kid watches some of them yeah so they rebooted the proud family and now it's like super pc and it's a lot of those characters there's there's a very flamboyant boy character in there but they rebooted it and now there are some characters and there are some subject matters which don't really jive i mean it would be a totally different thing if that show was geared towards young adults or late teens, but it's on Disney plus it's in the kids section. And my kid is watching one of these episodes and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, what is going on on the TV? It, it is evident it's there. And is it appropriate for children to be seeing that? Is it appropriate for, them to be writing those characters into it. Listen, I don't care how people live their lives, but is it needed? Is it needed to make someone so flamboyant and make it so in your face? Is that something that is added to the story or the overall plot of that show? Uh, is it just the flamboyancy or is there other things too? There's there's a lot more. To just it. like one or two more examples. I'm just curious. One example is that in the reboot, they added somebody with autism, but they also, which which is, you know. The autism I, thing isn't isn't a bad no, thing. No, Sesame no, Street no, added an, an autism Muppet. So it, they did. You know, they did a while ago. So. They backed it up because the person that played 
that character actually was on the spectrum themselves. I don't think they threw it in there. It probably was just an actor that was was on the spectrum. And they were like, well, let's just this works. The main thing we're talking about is them adding in, like you said, the flamboyancy and over throwing it over the top. It's definitely thrown in in people's faces and not just this reboot. It's other things. But to me personally, I mean, I don't give a fuck. (laughs) I don't care. But like, when do you draw the line of giving a shit? It's tough because as a parent, you want your kid to be accepting of all people. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, on the other end of it, is it necessary for certain characters to act a certain way or to or to do certain things within the show that may not be appropriate for kids of that age range? Or possibly be a driving influence that wouldn't be something that would be normally that trajectory of that child. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to ask yourself, where does it stop? Like if they're introducing characters an autistic character, sure. Yeah. Accepting, but like bad example. Uh, sorry. That was just, in, incredibly flamboyant. Okay. Sure. They pushed that for a couple of years. Like what, what comes next? What sorts of traits are they going to not push on or try to normalize, even though that's exactly what that is? Where does that stop? Yeah, kind where of? does where's the line drawn? It's a difficult subject to navigate without sounding like you're an a asshole. bigot or an you asshole. Fucking yeah. bigot. You fucking know? <laughs> <laughs> There's also like that example with, with the autism, the actor is on the spectrum. Could somebody that they had hired already have their own identity, be their own identity and they influence the show. So to play devil's advocate, it could just be a creative decision, but there are people that do think that it's more than a creative decision, especially based off the recording that we, we spoke of. It's definitely apparent in ways like you cannot deny that it's there or not there. Hushlings will return after this short message. Greetings, Hushtilians. We travel to the isolated colony that was established in post-World War II Chile by emigrant Germans. Who became notorious for the internment, torture, and murder of dissidents, as well as sexual abuse and child abuse. All during the military dictatorship of General Augusto Pinochet in the 1970s, while under the leadership of a German emigrant preacher, Paul Schaefer. On top of all that, there are allegations to Nazi ties. With the claim that Joseph Mengele, the infamous Nazi concentration camp doctor, was present at the colony. Join us as we explore the cultish Nazi happenings of Colonia Dignidad. Streaming on Christmas Day, Monday, December 25th. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. All right, moving on a little bit more on the occult side. Uh, early Disney movies did not even attempt to hide their occult leanings. Uh, movies like Escape to Witch Mountain, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, and The Sword in the Stone, one of my personal favorites as a child, actually come to mind. As the years went on, the Disney storylines became more enthralling, the characters more endearing, animation got better, but the occult themes stayed consistent throughout that. 
There's Snow White, like we mentioned. There's more recent movies like Encanto. Virtually every Disney movie is crafted to this day that involves witches, wizards, warlocks, genies, fairies, mediums, demigods, and spirits, and much more. There is a constant reference to alchemy, spellcasting, healing arts, astral projection, fortune telling, and necromancy, and also blood rituals, which is true. Go back and you look at it and you're like, whoa. <laughs> but Disney is a fairy tale company, right? I mean, are they? Not anymore. Not anymore. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, that, and maybe, you know, we were talking about how. Disney movies don't really hold the same kind of pull nowadays. And maybe that's part of it is that the earlier Disney movies were based on the brothers Grimm or they're based on other fairy tales or other stories or other folk tales. So maybe that's really what the hold is. It's just really great storytelling that was stolen by other great storytellers. <laughs> well, like what's his face from Italy who originally wrote Pinocchio. They were lynching kids in that fucking thing. You played hooky from school. Get in the tree. But you mentioned the Brothers Grimm, which is a direct link to I think Cinderella has portions of that in there. So, yeah. Just taking older works and rehashing it. The magic arts Disney seeks to expose to children have been around since the days of ancient Egypt. In Exodus verse 11, it says, quote, Then Pharaoh also called for the wise men and the sorcerers, and they also, the magicians of Egypt, did the same with their secret arts. Moving on, the Disney castle that was modeled after King Ludwig of Bavaria's Castle Neuschwastin is basically triangular, like a pyramid, and even further claims that Isis, Sirius, and Osiris are all in the iconic image. Now, Isis first mentioned in 2686 through 2181 BCE, she resurrects her slain brother and husband, the divine king Osiris, and produces and protects his heir, Horus. She was believed to help the dead enter the afterlife as she had helped Osiris. Osiris is the god of fertility, agriculture, the afterlife, the dead, resurrection, life, and vegetation in ancient Egypt in ancient Egyptian religion. He was classically depicted as a green-skinned deity with a pharaoh's beard partially mummy-wrapped at the legs. The green-skinned thing is really weird, but the partially mummy-wrapped thing, as I was reading, is that Isis resurrected him because his brother chopped him to pieces and she put him back together. So maybe she only got half of them. But the green skin thing is weird. And it could just be he was dead and turned green. Or he was a reptile. We have imagery to aid in what we were talking about. Personally, uh, I think it's a, a stretch. stretch. I think yeah. it's a very, very big stretch. Again, I think some people just go into something like, oh, let me pick this apart until something sticks out at me. This one is, I personally think, one of them. I watched somebody dissect this image and there's they went through like the Nile River, all the angles, the angular area to Orion's belt, which I think is a little bit of a stretch. And then when they got on the topic of they started talking about the angles, 52 degrees, which 
if I tried to get into this and tried to even go even further, we would be here for fucking two hours talking about all of that weird, weird stuff. And maybe we can do it on Patreon at some point and have somebody on, like we said, previous episode, who knows? But the biggest thing this person was really held up on, which made me believe that they probably thought a little bit harder on the QAnon stuff was they were big on the B and the J tower, the male and the female, but they were like, BJ, it means blowjob. They sounded like fucking Alex Jones talking about that shit. You know, they were like, you know, this shit's got me my brain in a pretzel. This has my brain in a pretzel as to how somebody could actually like justify this and rationalize it in their head. (laughs) It's a castle. But unfortunately that happens a lot. Once you go down certain rabbit holes, you just start trying to connect dots that maybe aren't there or definitely aren't there. Dangers of the job. Ah, and the little mermaid Ariel sells her soul to a sea witch. In Frozen, Elsa wakes up the spirits of an enchanted forest. And in Mulan, Mulan talks to the dead. She also talks to a dragon, a little mini dragon. Aladdin's sidekick is a shape-shifting genie. And the word genie comes from the Arabic word jinn, which means a class of spirits lower than angels, capable of appearing in human and animal forms to influence humankind. We should do a jinn episode. That would be good. I think we mentioned 100%. the Jin in the Aokigahara forest episode. Mm. Mm. I'm almost positive. I'm 100% okay with doing a Jin episode. <laughs> now, moving a little bit further into Mulan's guardian, that is the dragon. He can enter a temple and summon the dead at will. And at the end of the movie, Mulan gushes to the dragon. Quote, you're the best friend I've ever had, dragon. <laughs> End quote. Now, in Revelation 12.9, it's quoted as, The great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. End quote. Connection? What do you guys think? Uh, I mean, Milan had nothing to do with the fucking Bible. Again, a stretch. A stretch, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like a lot of this is just just reaching. It's just really reaching. At this point, you're just looking for stuff. The dick thing I get, that's a dick. Yeah, but but this is weird. How do you watch Milan and then go, okay. It's like you watch the movie, and then you went on to Google, and you searched, uh... Find me Bible quotes that have to do with dragons. And then you yeah. fucking came back here and you're like, yep, that's what it has to do with it. It makes no fucking sense. Sorry, rant over. It's a good rant. In the film Pocahontas, she conjures a 200-year-old goddess inside a willow tree who tells her, quote, All around you are spirits, child. They live in the earth, water, sky. And if you listen, they will guide you. End quote. Now, before we get any farther with that, that's pretty boilerplate for native people anywhere. You are yeah. everything. On <laughs> now, when people open up the book and the Bible, it's clear that we are not to seek any spirit guide except for the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I don't think that's right. Yeah, I don't know. That one doesn't feel good to me. I don't like the fact that the uh, Christians got a hold of this conspiracy. If you're already going to go down in the depths and believe that this conspiracy, uh, all of Disney is, they're satanic, they're grooming your kids, they're doing all that, you're already in that mind frame. 
it's there's a special individual that's like that and it's a lot of q people and it's a lot of people unfortunately a lot of q people are bible thumpers too you're gonna have that connection and a lot of people will use the bible as the all-knowing thing to compare to especially if that's their religion and then you ask them about the council of nicaea and they're like who who what (laughs) <laughs> Every single Native American went to hell because they weren't exposed to the Bible. That's it. Damn. That's it. Hell is filled with Indians. Jesus. Pocahontas <laughs> and the rest of you. Sitting bowl, more like sitting in hell. <laughs> also, Peter Pan could be seen as an obvious nod to the Greek god Pan, who is the flute playing friend of the nymphs. We've also got Moana's sidekick who is a demigod named Maui. Demigod meaning a part human, part divine offspring of a deity and a human. And Kanto is a masterclass in magic and divination. I haven't seen Encanto or uh, Moana, so I can't really elaborate on that. Moana's very heavy on the demigod. The Rock plays Maui, I think his name is. Yeah, the demigod. Um, And then Encanto is very much... Were they supposed to be in like Colombia or something like that? I think, yeah, that it's Colombia. Yeah. I think it's nineteen yeah. fifties Colombia. Mm, yeah, and it's very that's uh, heavy on magic. Heavy on magic. Yeah, very heavy on magic. People have special powers. They can create and manifest weather, or talk to animals, and whatnot. But hold on, hold on. But the family has a candle that if it burns out, the family yeah. loses all its powers. And Alice in Wonderland is so full of occult symbolism, a separate episode could be done. You, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big topic there. Disney Sleeping Beauty is a classic tale of a princess in distress and the prince who comes gallantly to, to rescue her. Savior complex. The original 17th century Italian tale has similar beginnings. The princess named Talia pricked her finger on a spindle, and was sent into a deep sleep, fulfilling an earlier prophecy. The rest of Talia's story is too gruesome to be a children's tale. The man who came to Talia's rescue is a king, not a prince. The king's kiss did not awake Talia. He instead gathers the fruit of her love, a nicer way of saying he raped her while she slept. What a sleep creep. That is a sleep creep. Holy shit. Jesus. This will wake her up. Oh Jeez. my god. But are there like are there hints of that in the modern sleeping beauty? He kisses a sleeping woman that he doesn't know. Oh yeah, that's that's state rape. That's yeah, it's you're getting there. Do you need to kiss? It's kinda of like the frog and the princess though. Like you need to kiss a frog to manifest something. One thing I do notice about Disney movies is that there's quite a bit of violence, no matter what age group it's for. And even more so now, a lot of really fucked up jokes that only adults are like <laughs> in the background. So I don't know if that's just more for marketing because they're like, well, the parents got to sit through this or if it's a way to focus the parents in a little bit more and make them even more fans. Like that movie was great. Like how many Disney movies do you go to where you're like almost on the brink of fucking tears and it's unconscious that you're doing it? You're like, how did, why did that hit me so fucking hard? It is marketed for the adults. It's marketed for the parents. TV shows do it all the time. Kids TV shows do it all the time. Especially Cartoon Network shows. They used to do that a lot. 
On to witchcraft, according to ExposingSatanism.com, quote, not only is Disney full of pedophiles, they teach and promote the occult, the dark side. The cartoons and shows they produce are full of Satanists, witches, and other pagan lunatics who have not grown up yet. They are living in a fantasy land, which is run by Lucifer, end quote. Uh, that's one opinion, I guess. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Former Disney star Vanessa Hudgens actually allegedly promotes satanic witchcraft. She has an upcoming film on Tubi called Dead Hot Season of the Witch. It's already out, I believe, this year. And in an interview with The Variety, Hudgens told the outlet that satanic witchcraft is something that she's been doing for years. And this is something that she tr is truly passionate about. Uh, quoted, it is a lot more personal than anything I've ever done. I'm not hiding behind a character as I normally do in films. This is me exploring something that I am very passionate about, end quote. In the movie Turning Red, the practice of magic surrounding teenage menstruation blood is part of the film. In witchcraft, one's menstrual cycle is considered to be an extremely powerful time. It's little more than sexual and satanic grooming and a gateway experience to demonic influence. Hmm. One mom writes about the movie, quote, The adults at Disney create a storyline for the young Mel and her fictional friends around their attraction of a much older boy. At one point, May begins to draw this boy in what one YouTube account calls dirty drawings. Her drawings include half-naked sketches of him, and at one point she crawls under her bed to get all hot and sweaty with her sketchbook of semi-nude scribbles. It would be hard to explain this scene as anything other than masturbation. Wow. Not wrong there. I've seen that movie. And it's about a girl, a teenager, be getting their period. There's no other, there's no other way to describe what that movie was about. The red panda that she turned into, the, uh, the anger, it's kind of the other whole undertone of their way of promoting PMS. And you might snap on mom the first time. I don't know. I'm not a chick, so I can't speak on that. But that one's not wrong. She literally was drawing a guy that she was crushing on and went under her bed. And the next morning she had her period flowering up. She continues... The abortion lobby gets in on the action in the very end when May goes out with her panda tail and ears on display. When her mother disapproves, May apes the abortion lobby's signature and sinister catchphrases as she says, my panda, my choice. Uh, I think it's more of a hark to feminist calls than anything. I don't think those people work at Disney anymore, quite honestly, but... You know, that's a pretty recent movie, I'd say last year. Mm -hmm. All right, well, let's go down the rabbit hole real quick and, and get into Hocus Pocus. Now, this is, is a uh, Disney fan cult favorite in some aspects that, that people think. People will travel to those poor people's house in Salem. I forget the name of the street, but goddamn, must suck to live there and have people take pictures of that house. In the original Hocus Pocus, Disney decided to do some magic of their own. While the film is quirky and comical with three goofy-ass witches, it pretends to make fun of witchcraft while actually promoting it and teaching it. A little tidbit, the three witches stand for the maiden, mother, and crone combo that the Illuminati use 
as well as symbols of the all-seeing eye. On the cover of the book, the little girl in the movie promised a cat, which a cat is a familiar spirit, and that her family would watch over it. A lot of layers there. Bette Midler, the lead in the film, also has a line that goes, quote, We want to live forever, so we take children's lives. Jamie Gooch... <laughs> Yo, this lady's name, I don't even know if this is real or not, but... I. Jamie Gooch. Jamie Gooch, a mother of three living in Troy, Texas, shared a post on social media and told local news station KWTX that family should, quote, not watch this film. The whole movie is based on witches harvesting children for blood sacrifices. Uh, it's not far from the truth, but it's more like stealing souls or stealing youth. More adrenochrome. Check out first episode of conspiracy roundtable extravaganza get a little bit more of just that before we get into the real nitty-gritty at the end of this episode about walt disney and his uh, anti-semitic possible ties there's a, a quick tidbit i wanted to go down have you guys ever heard of the toy story hoax negative in february of 1996 a student boycotted toy story which came out the year earlier in 95 by the afa not sure what that is. Probably looked that up. Uh, because Woody, the name of one of the film's stars, is a slang term for penis. Hard on. Boner. You know, you get the drift. And Buzz, the name of the co-star, was a drug term. Or you being buzzed, uh, drunk, what, whatever it may be. And the film also included a sex-obsessed talking potato. <laughs> and a sex-obsessed Bo Peep doll who could not keep her hands or lips off of Woody. And an Etch-A-Sketch whose nabs must also be adjusted to produce results. What the? That's just how an Etch-A-Sketch fucking works. Cancel Etch-A-Sketch. Get them shits out of toy stores. They're sexual. <laughs> First Pixar film ever. Now you as a hushling might be asking yourself, what sort of sick fuck was Walt Disney as a person? How did he like really move about his day-to-day -day life? Like, what was he like? And one former Disney employee claims, Walt was a genius, Walt was a friend, Walt was generous, and Walt was a tough son of a bitch. He was all that at once. He has also been described as an arrogant businessman, a self-made tycoon, and a person with a large ego. I'm sure he was all of the above, yeah. Walt was a brilliant producer who understood the value of making the best possible product. Major studios in Hollywood are said to be happy if one out of eight or ten films turns an impressive profit. Disney's track record was much better than that, being at or close to 100% success rate. It's all that fucking blood rituals. Mm. Yeah, probably. But he was also naive politically. It appears he didn't understand how others felt about being underpaid and not getting the expected bonuses after the initial success of Snow White at the box office. Of course he didn't. He was a businessman. He certainly didn't agree with those ideas and other labor issues that were raised before the strike. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Wasn't the working man's favorite. Now let's talk about Walt's famous feelings. <laughs> His famous anti-Semitic feelings. He felt strongly about fascist Germany. He regularly attended meetings and social events of the American Nazi Party. Wow, here we go. 
The statement is probably a gross exaggeration of the truth, but he did in fact meet with fascists, including Germany's most celebrated filmmaker, Leni Riefenstahl, when she visited Hollywood in 1938. Her L.A. visit was protested by people with strong anti-Nazi feelings, and several studio heads decided not to meet with her. Walt's main motivation to meet her may have been to find a way to recover money owed to his firm by his German film distributor. Uh, yeah, money money rules all over, all over everything else, so if you were owed money. I wonder if Tarantino took a little bit of that for Inglorious Bastards with uh, Von Hammersmark. A book that was published uh, in Germany says Roy and Walt went to Germany in 1937-1938 to try and retrieve over 135,000 Reichmarks owed to them. They were actually on tour in Europe promoting Snow White. They may also have lobbied to get Germany to lift the ban on importing films from the U.S. We got sanctioned. Their visit to Germany was unsuccessful. And since the brothers were fucking capitalists, any positive feelings they might have had about Hitler or the Nazis were replaced with hatred for that son of a bitch for robbing them of their 135,000 Reichsmarks. And the income in Germany that they would have got. Their anti-German sentiment was quite obvious after that in their World War II propaganda films. Already, right now, just a real quick comment. He said, fuck that guy with the little mustache. But it might not have changed his views. He just might have hated. Yeah, I was going to say. In Walt Disney, The Triumph of the American Imagination, a biography written about Disney, the author Neil Gabler states that, quote, of the Jews who worked at Disney, it was hard to find any who thought Walt was an anti-Semite, end quote. That being said, the organization he was a founding member of, the Motion Picture Alliance, allegedly had many privately anti-Semitic members. So while there's no proof that Disney himself was an anti-Semite, some argue that he was complicit based on the company that he kept, his employees, the people that he worked with. Hmm. 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 Curious. There was an article from the Jewish press titled, Was Walt Disney Really an Anti-Semite? Which was published in 2014. During an annual awards event of the National Board of Review, which is an organization made up of filmmakers, students, and movie scholars, actress Meryl Streep took the opportunity to blast Disney as racist and misogynistic who also supported an anti-Semitic industry lobbying group. And she said this all while presenting an award to Emma Thompson for her role in the new movie Saving Mr. Banks, about the making of the 1964 Disney film Mary Poppins. Of course, Meryl Streep. She, she would. She would. And I think she really went, went down that route because of the motion picture alliance that he created. I think that's what she was really targeting at. And that there's a whole rabbit hole to that too. Additionally, Hollywood historian Neil Gabler examined the anti-Semitism charge in his 2006 biography of Disney. He's quoted as saying, Joe Grant, who had been an artist, the head of the model department and the story man responsible for Dumbo declared empathetically that Walt was not an anti-Semite. Some of the most influential people in the studio were Jewish, and he was a very conservative guy, end quote. 
On the other hand, one former Disney animator, David Swift, has claimed that he heard Walt make an anti-Semitic remark, and another ex-staffer, David Hilberman, has alleged that one employee was fired simply for being Jewish. Also, the original animated version of The Three Little Pigs portrayed the Big Bad Wolf as a stereotypical Jewish peddler, although after complaints, the segment was altered. Mike mentioned that in the first episode. The Motion Picture Alliance for the Preservation of American Ideals formed in 1944 for the purpose of defending the film industry and the country as a whole against what its founders claimed was communist and fascist infiltration. Anti-Semitic industry lobbying group with which Disney was associated. Now, going back to Meryl Streep, the most plausible explanation of why she would do that is all the things that we just listed. She probably have been briefed on that since the book came out in 2006, well before her 2014 rant. Now, for the rumors about Disney, we're kind of a guilt by association, I think, like what we're saying. There's a quote also from this article that says, Walt, in joining forces with the MPA and its band of professional reactionaries and red baiters, also got tarred with their own anti-Semitism. Walt Disney certainly was aware of the MPA's purported anti-Semitic views, but he chose to ignore it. The price he paid was that he would always be lumped not only with anti-communists, but with also anti-Semites. Uh, you guys think you guys think Walt Disney uh, uh, was a Nazi? I don't know. Maybe not. I think he, he broke bread and had tea with Nazis. I mean, he made a film with Werner von Braun and, and people, but yeah, it's definitely a tossed salad there. But he said, fuck that little guy with the mustache, right? But I also think that he <laughs> did things mostly for money. Uh, money is a big motivator. So you'll sit down with, like I said before, you'll sit down with whoever for money. Yeah, that Hebrew fella that he uh, fired, he was probably just asking for like a stupidly high raise. We don't have a Reddit section. A lot of this is found on Reddit, but there are claims of ex-cast members in the last 20 years, people that have worked for Disney saying that they were underpaid. And it probably was way, way worse 50, 60, 70 years ago, especially if you weren't a white male with wax in your hair. You looked like mm -hmm. a Nazi. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Hushlings, that will bring us to our final thoughts. Let's get into our final thoughts. Dave's, I guess, I would say you started getting into it, so expand a little more. Declassified Dave. Oh, the first episode, I really, really, really believed that nothing nefarious was going on. It was just people die at amusement parks, people this and that, some rumors about creating the parks, frozen people. But this one, here and there, there's spots of it where I was like, this is definitely plausible and probably truthful the human trafficking aspect of it if there are 2000 plus kids literally going missing at disney that's a fucking problem but if there's three out of how many frank said forty-eight thousand people that work at one park that's three bad apples on a tree they got them there could be more but realistically the occult satanism in that aspect of this has been kind of a spectrum you're either reaching really hard or it's fact and uh, there's, in, in my opinion, there's no doubt that there's influence, whether it's CIA driven from his time at NASA, FBI, and it's deep rooted a hun hundred years before. And this is what it was. 
there's definitely blatant one symbolism and blatant ideological pushing in their works. But Disney's not the only culprit. I'm kind of 50-50 on it. I believe that half of this is uh, nefarious by Disney, but also I think half of it is not only coincidental, but more so just people looking for things where they maybe don't exist. Especially when you start getting into doing Bible verses and relating them to pretty much every Disney movie that's ever existed. I don't know. As far as the imagery of sex and stuff like that, maybe just animators having fun and changing it up because all they're doing all day is drawing kids shows and kids movies. In the long run, I think Disney is just a really mega powerful corporation and they're out for money and they're willing to do anything for the money, including pandering to groups, different groups of people in order to get that extra dollar. I mean, look at what they do in Marvel movies. Look at what they do in Disney movies. Look at what they do in pretty much every IP that they own. It's all just try to appeal to every single person that exists on this world. And the more people that you can appease, the more widespread the audience is. Slick Frog Sanders, what do you got for Disney, my boy? Frog's final thought. First off, I'm just going to say that I'm really glad we did a second part for Disney because the information was there and this is a topic that needed it. This wasn't something that we could cram into one episode. And if we did, we wouldn't have hit a lot of things. Um, regarding just today's part two, I'm going to sort of mirror you guys in the in the sense that half of the information that we delivered I could get behind and then the other half does seem like quite a stretch. There is definitely agendas and depictions of certain things taking place in Disney TV shows and in Disney movies that I believe have nefarious intentions, so to speak. I don't know that those intentions are Disney's idea. I don't think Disney is necessarily the ones making the push necessarily somebody's handing them money like mike said and you know they're they're just sort of the middleman they're getting the message to your children they they are just the the vehicle so to speak for these ideas people putting calculus graphs and uh, geometry all over disney castles and trying to say it's this and that uh, that's the sort of stuff i can't really i can't get with a lot of the imagery in the older films I guess they could be pointing to secret societies or pointing to magic if you want them to. But on the other hand, a lot of that stuff, there's rational explanations for. And that's where I stand with uh, part two here. I also don't think uh, Disney was necessarily an anti-Semite. All right, Hushlings. Well, that's going to do it for our double feature debriefing on Disney. What did you think? Was there anything we missed? Anything we should have discussed? Did we miss out on making magic? Reach out to us. As always, our email address, contact at hushhushsociety.com. Next debriefing is a cheery Christmas present for you hushlings, where we hunt down a defector colony established in a post-World War II Chile by Germans, which became notorious for the internment 
torture, and murder of dissidents during a military dictatorship. Join us on Christmas for the cult of Colonia Dignidad. We're going to take a little turn for our next exclusive debriefing. We're going to travel to Franck's favorite place, France, where we explore the truth behind the man in the iron mask. Did King Louis XIV actually have a brother that was older than him and shove that motherfucker in a mask? Streaming only on Patreon, Thursday, December 21st, 11 years after the end of the world. That's going to do it. Hush to tears. We'll see you next time. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mr. Mike. And I'm Flick Slonk Slanders. Until our next debriefing, remember, the best kept secrets are hidden in plain sight.